This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB, and on the talk radio app. Talk radio. Talk radio. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on talk radio. Good morning, Jesus. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer. Thank you so much for your company. Delighted to welcome Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden to the show right now to talk about a new government-backed scheme worth half a billion pounds to try and help our film and TV productions struggling during the pandemic. Good morning to you. Even as we are easing the rules so filming can restart, uh, there is concern amongst producers that they can't get insured for the risk of COVID returning. So what we're saying is, if that happens, of course, we're doing everything we can to stop that happening, to stop a cessation in filming. We'll stand behind you and we'll compensate you through this £500 million compensation scheme. The effect of that is we'll be green lighting £4 billion worth of investment in our film and TV industry, securing 50,000 jobs. And whether that's popular shows like Call the Midwife, which is exported around the world to 237 different territories around the world, or new films like Mothering Sunday or Benediction, which will be able to start production because of this. This is all part of our wider commitment to the creative industries in the UK that make us a global powerhouse for this and sits alongside things like the £1.57 billion uh, arts package uh, that we're also announcing guidelines for today. Well, also, I mean, it is important to remember just what a, a moneymaker this is in terms of, uh, of how big this industry is for us. But um, a lot of people say, well, why are you targeting help for this particular industry? What about more targeted help for hospitality industry, for the tourism industry? Uh, Jonathan Reynolds, the Shadow Work and Pension Secretary, is on the show uh, about an hour ago uh, talking about uh, what the Keir what Starmer, the Labour leader, is going to talk about today about targeting specific um, help in a furlough scheme extended for those particular industries and giving them financial help. Is that on the cards at all? 
Well, uh, I know how incredibly valuable the tourism and hospitality sector is. I'm actually responsible for tourism as well within my ministerial yeah. portfolio. And that's why we've announced this unprecedented cut in VAT to kickstart uh, tourism and hospitality. So VAT reduced till the end of the year. That's also why, for example, the Chancellor has helped out the hospitality sector with the, the help out to eat out scheme, you know, whereby the, uh, there'll be a reduction in the cost of eating out. All of these measures are designed to, to drive forward the, the tourism sector. And uh, whilst it is the case that the tourism sector is doing very well in the coastal regions, I think um, many of your listeners who've been to places like uh, Devon, Cornwall and so on will know they're, they're bustling. There are still major challenges in the, the big cities, so we're, we're working through those as well. But the VAT cut will be a huge uh, boost to them. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, again, it's a concern for everybody, isn't it? Um, big concern, of course, is about not just domestic tourism, but also the right of people to, the ability of people to go abroad and enjoy some foreign tourism as well, and then people to come to this country from abroad. Uh, we've got that uh, quarantine period in place now, 14 days, people arriving from Spain. The prospect that we could face quarantine imposed in the next few days, people arriving from Belgium, from Luxembourg, from Croatia as well. First of all, how likely is that to happen? And what and whether or not so people could make a judgment whether or not they do choose to fly uh, to those countries on a holiday. Uh, but secondly, also, is there a better way of dealing with this, such as what uh, John Holland Kay from Heathrow Airport has been suggesting, which is uh, to have testing at the airport rather than impose two weeks quarantine? Well, look, I understand everyone's frustration over this. Goodness knows we all want to have a break after the sort of year we've had. And I understand families have been looking forward to getting on holiday to Spain. It's important to understand why we're doing this, because as we get the virus under control here in the UK, we don't want to start re-importing cases from countries where it's rising. So based on the evidence and advice from the Joint Centre for Biosecurity, we took the decision to impose quarantine on Spain. It's always going to be the case that there'll be somebody in front of you in the queue and someone behind you in the queue uh, when you Im impose that. We, of course, are looking uh, around uh, the world and keeping it under review. Uh, but I can't really be in a position where I give running commentary on that uh, because as soon as we have the evidence that, um, that there is a risk for another country, we'll, of course, impose those quarantine restrictions. In respect of testing, I have heard these comments. It's important to understand that uh, it's not a silver bullet to, to test. So if you tested everyone as they came off planes, it is the case that for some people, the virus can uh, be incubating in them and not show up in the test. That's why, uh, to be safe, we're imposing the 14-day quarantine. But of course, we're keeping all this under review. And if there's ways of doing this that is less draconian, we will, of course, consider that. Yeah, well, indeed, other countries that have handled the pandemic, some would say with greater success and acting more quickly in Asia, other countries in Europe have been imposing this testing. And we're not talking about just a one-off test and then we just leave people to it, but people are being tested, say, five days or eight days hence, uh, but then facing a much shorter quarantine period it can be the difference between someone not being able to pay their, their rent or their mortgage that month or indeed uh, being uh, out of a job if they have to take more than a week off. Um, is the government seriously looking at any of this? When, when this is what a lot of other countries successfully handling the pandemic have been doing for months. Well, of course, if it is safe to do that... Well, we know we it will... is, though, don't we? Because other countries are doing it. Why well, don't we learn the lessons? Well, of course, we're looking at uh, the lessons from other countries, but we have world-leading scientists in the UK, particularly with the Joint Centre for Biosecurity. They're, we're looking at all those options, 
if we're able to reduce the burden for people, and I know how frustrating it is uh, not being able to go on holiday or being subject to, to quarantine, of course, we will take those measures. But at the moment, we do not feel confident to do it. We are confident that we can do so in a way that is safe. Remember, we're doing all of this to stop us importing cases from elsewhere in the world, uh, which would then put at risk all the hard work and sacrifices we've all made to get it under control here. The last thing we want is to import those cases. We can do it in a safe way, and of course we will. How much talk is there uh, uh, in government at cabinet meetings with the prime minister about a second wave? Yesterday he said that he, he thought you know Europe could be heading to a second wave, but the prime minister has said repeatedly that we will not have a full second lockdown. So how much talk is there in terms of what preparation is going in to handle that? Well, look, we're all acutely aware of, of the risk because you just have to look around the world and see how the virus is continuing to rise. You only have to look in a country like Spain. And this is why we've imposed the lockdown. But in anticipation of that, first of all, the, everyone can play their part to stop that happening, which is to follow the rules, wash your hands, observe social distancing, which is still in place and, and so on. Secondly, uh, we are ramping up uh, testing and tracing. So tens of thousands of people are being taken out of the community because they've uh, either had uh, have the virus or have been in contact with someone who has it. That is reducing spread. We're having localised lockdowns and we're also uh, investing in additional capacity in the NHS. And alongside that, of course, we're continuing our drive to get this vaccine uh, for the virus. So we're working on all fronts and are acutely aware of the risk. And what's the government's response to, I know it's not your area of, uh, of responsibility as Culture Secretary, but obviously these matters will have been discussed throughout the pandemic, but the Public Accounts Committee report into social care, accusing the government of being negligent in the decision uh, taken from on high after the evidence they've taken at the committee uh, to basically tell hospitals, please dispatch all of your elderly patients if they're clinically uh, safe to be dispatched, to dispatch them to two care homes out of hospitals, all part of this whole, you know, prepare the NHS for this mass influx of coronavirus patients. That decision was taken despite the fact that there weren't, wasn't testing of um, patients going into care homes, which we think may well have led to thousands of uh, elderly, vulnerable people in care homes dying after it was basically imported uh, from hospitals. Um, what do you make of the criticism? Was the government negligent? Well, I don't accept the characterisation of, of negligence. And in fact, if you if you look at the figures... We were discharging fewer people from hospital into care homes uh, in the, the period from uh, February through to April than we were the same time last year, 40% uh, fewer. And it's also not the case that we were discharging people who were symptomatic of, of COVID. And indeed, uh, the NHS have made it clear there are no circumstances in which clinicians would have discharged people that they uh, believed uh, had on but people were asymptomatic and we knew already then that there was a big problem with asymptomatic transmission well yes of course there are lessons for for us to learn and we've been clear about the need to 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 learn uh, lessons but we haven't sort of sat uh, still with this um, we introduced the care home action plan billions of extra pounds going into care homes we ensured that uh, everyone in care homes whether they're residents or staff tested routinely whether they have symptoms or not. And in all those ways, combined with all the other measures the government are taking, that has ensured that we've continued to keep this disease under control. But why we must continue to remain vigilant. 
across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Uh, right now, though, let's talk about, well, how we savour the uh, tourism season this summer as we're facing more and more quarantines. So a second wave in Europe being predicted by the Prime Minister yesterday. 11 European countries with increasing cases in recent weeks. Belgium, Luxembourg, Croatia could possibly, in a matter of days, be added to the list of countries along with Spain uh, that could face a 14 days quarantine when we return. Well, is there an easier way of dealing with this and a way of having shorter quarantine periods? Well, that's certainly the suggestion of my next guest, Chief Executive Officer of Heathrow Airport, John Holland Kay. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Now, you and I have discussed this before, the prospect of uh, doing what, frankly, most countries in Asia have been doing for quite some months, and that is testing people who arrive at an airport, or testing people before they get on planes as well, to decide, find out whether or not they are at risk. And you're suggesting that we should be bringing in testing at uh, Heathrow and other airports in the UK. How would it work? Yes, that's right. So the government has put in place a risk-based approach to deciding whether countries can be opened up or not. They classify them as red, amber or green. And if they are uh, green or amber, you can travel freely as as you can to Greece or, uh, or Italy today. Uh, but if they are red, then you have to go into a 14-day quarantine. Now, the test that we're proposing would allow would be a PCR test. So it's a test to see whether you uh, have COVID today. Uh, you'd have an initial test at the airport. Then you go into a period of quarantine and then have a second test after five or eight days. And if that second test is clear, then you'd be allowed out of quarantine earlier than would 
otherwise be the case. And this is something that uh, that uh, is being trialled by other countries. Actually, the French have been uh, testing this since the be beginning of June. Um, and so it's a model that can work to allow people to travel safely without the fear of a 14-day quarantine, but also keeping the country safe from a second wave. Well, indeed. I mean, a lot of people saying we've got these uh, periods of uh, uh, when we incubation and we, you know, we can't just, you can't just test at the point that someone's getting on a plane. That won't uh, actually uh, be enough. But as you say, uh, testing, uh, you know, a few days later as well would actually enable more people to go through. Would pay passengers have to pay for the test themselves? And if so, how much would they cost? Well, that's a question for the government, but the, our expectation is that certainly in the trial period, uh, passengers would pay for the test themselves. The current cost is around £150, so it's not cheap. But for many people who are worried about being able to go back to work or get their kids uh, into school, it will be a good alternative to a 14-day quarantine. And of course, you'd hope that as the number of passengers uh, who are testing increases then the cost would come down and become much more affordable yeah. and we're doing a number of uh, trials with other organizations to see if we can get the cost down and the test results much more quickly and how damaging has that uh, announcement became late on saturday evening uh, about quarantining uh, from spain we know as a summer short haul destination spain is one of the uh, uh, key uh, destinations for uh, brits uh, brit holiday makers but how how damage damage has that done to the prospects of travel uh, on the for the airline industry for airports like yours in the coming weeks when you are just beginning to see people go oh, maybe i will try a holiday abroad well, you're right. Aviation has been devastated by COVID. At, at, at its worst, uh, we were down to about 3% of our usual passenger numbers. Uh, at the moment, um, which is at the peak of the summer, we're up to about 15%, 1-5% of our normal passenger numbers. So very few people are flying. But then again, the, the, the green and amber countries only represent 30% of our normal passenger numbers. So in a, in a way, about half the people who are traveling to those countries uh, are still flying. And what we've seen since the Spain announcement is that um, some people have, have switched away from Spain towards Greece and Italy, which they can still travel to, uh, desperate to get away on their holidays. So people are still flying. And I know a lot of people have been concerned about, uh, about traveling through an airport and traveling on a plane. Uh, but the anecdotal feedback I've had is that uh, where people have got here, they've seen that they're being well looked after, they feel safe. And actually, it's, it's a, as an enjoyable experience as it normally is. And they very quickly relax. I have to say, I can completely vouch for that. I wasn't actually at Heathrow. I was at Luton Airport in, in North London. Uh, was north of London, uh, uh, travelling to, to and from France. And I have to say, uh, I found it to be a completely relaxing experience. I mean, I've, I've, I was a bit depressed by the ghost town that the airport was. Lots of the shops closed and the like, and not seeing people uh, and be uh, travelling and just realising how many job losses they would be as a result of that. But certainly sitting on the plane and almost full plane, everyone wearing masks, everyone sanitising their hands, everyone behaving responsibly, staff and, uh, and, the, uh, and the, the, the passengers. And I've said I felt completely safe. I don't feel any worries at all uh, about either of those flights or, or, or the airports I was in. Uh, do you think really that a lot of this is about confidence? It's about people actually getting back to some semblance of normal life and realising that, you know, travelling on planes, it's not just a huge part of people's lives for pleasure. Airports like Heathrow is a major international hub airport. It's a crucial part of our business lives and even though we might not be doing that business travel we might not be freight, you know, dealing with the freight and the cargo it's actually a crucial part of our economy explain how important it is well you're you're absolutely right i'm, I'm glad to hear uh, you had a really good experience traveling through luton um, we do have uh, very good standards across uh, all airports and airlines now 
Uh, but you're right about the the importance of aviation to the UK economy. And and it's obvious in a way when you think about it, we're a small island nation, which is also the sixth biggest economy in the world. And we have to be trading with other countries to support that economy and support the millions of jobs we have here in the UK. Um, Heathrow is the biggest port by far. 40% of all the UK's exports and supply chain imports come in through Heathrow. And that's not on freighter planes, that is in the belly hold of passenger planes, um, very often to long haul destinations, which are currently categorized as red. So we have very few flights coming in from those countries. And that means that uh, British manufacturers can't get their exports to market quickly and cheaply. Um, equally, they often can't get the supply chain that they need coming in to allow them to get up and running. A lot of services businesses, uh, people can't travel to the places they need to get to. Uh, and, and of course, for the UK inbound tourist sector, which is massive, employing millions of people in this country all over the UK, um, we just don't have the visitors coming in. And most of those visitors come in through Heathrow. And until we can get those, those red countries open again, get people flying again, millions of jobs here in the UK are at risk in services, manufacturing and tourism. So it's vital that we find an alternative to quarantine and the kind of testing we were talking about earlier sounds like the way forward. Absolutely. Other countries are doing this. The French have been doing this since the beginning of June uh, and uh, well, well, uh, uh, keeping a very uh, close control over this. And I was encouraged by the, the Prime Minister's words yesterday saying that he wants to get people travelling again. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Uh, right now, though, let's uh, talk about uh, fears uh, that uh, we are seeing a massive hit to tourist towns uh, as the COVID jobs crisis hits, as Labour Party urges support for the domestic tourism sector. So much talk about uh, uh, aviation and getting people abroad on their holidays and getting them back without quarantine. But let's talk about all this with the Labour MP, Shadow Work and Pension Secretary Jonathan Reynolds. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. So tell us, uh, your leader, Sir Keir Starmer, is again today call for, uh, sorry, call for targeted support for domestic tourism jobs. What sort of uh, help does he want given to them? Good morning, Julia. Yes, well, Keir is in Falmouth today because what our research has discovered is now that we know unemployment is a huge problem across all parts of the UK. But what we found today is places that have a, a much higher number of jobs in the tourism sector have been disproportionately hit by the unemployment crisis so far, as many as 65 percentage points higher levels of unemployment in those places. And the crucial thing that Key is going to be calling for today is that the furlough scheme, which obviously starts to be wound down from the beginning of next month until it ends at the end of October, that has to, the, the one size fits all approach that the government's got with that, that's what has to change. It's going to be targeted on those sectors where uh, they still haven't got the revenue coming in, where jobs are still at risk. And that would particularly be tourism, hospitality. We need that flexibility from the government to make sure this unemployment crisis doesn't get any worse. Um, look, a lot of people listening who will be very sympathetic to those people. Uh, and again, you know, people you know, may have worked really, really hard, set up their own businesses or employees through no fault of their own, seeing their job loss when other people are keeping their jobs. However, the furlough scheme was set up at a time when we're in lockdown. People can't go to work. They're banned legally uh, from leaving their homes. They, uh, they, 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 these businesses uh, can't possibly uh, have customers at that time. We're coming out of lockdown. We're seeing more and more freedoms. Um, realistically, a lot of those jobs will not survive. A lot of those businesses will not survive. Can the government indefinitely prop up uh, millions of businesses, millions of jobs with a furlough scheme that lasts, what, years? Well, it's not about it being indefinite. It's about being why people need it. So I completely agree, Julie. You've got to tie it 
to those businesses which still haven't got the revenue coming through. Now, of course, as businesses have to meet their own or start to meet part of their own payroll costs, if the revenue isn't there to do that, they'll have to make more people unemployed. And we know from previous crises that actually significant levels of unemployment, it can actually be in the country's best interest financially as well as morally to support people in work in that time rather than simply put them on unemployment benefits. The crucial thing is this, I'm going to be spending my summer holiday here in the UK next week. I'm looking forward to that, but it's still going to be a short season for those businesses. It's still going to be the case that they can't be at full capacity because of social distancing regulations. And until we've got that full and effective test and trace system in place so people have confidence, so businesses can have something that looks like normality being in place, they're going to suffer. And like you say, these are people who have built up their own businesses. They deserve that support until the government's got in place the system that we need. It's got to be willing but to support those businesses through this period, because frankly, the last thing this country needs is even higher levels of unemployment. Absolutely. But, but realistically... For how long would you expect that that support to continue? We're, we're talking about months and months and months. We're looking at a £30 billion cost of the furlough scheme so far. Um, I'm, I'm very supportive of that scheme. I think it was, uh, I mean, I felt quite tearful when it was announced by the Chancellor Richie Sunak at the time that that help was being offered to people who were going to lose work otherwise. But we're, we are looking at businesses that are not going to see an uptick for at least another year, if then... How how can we possibly prop every single one of these businesses and every single one of these jobs up in full for another year? Oh, it's not about propping them all up. I think that's a really important point. So you could target it at certain sectors like tourism or hospitality. You could do what uh, other countries have done where you look at businesses which are still losing revenue and have a threshold for that. It's about flexibility. It's not about one size fits all. But crucially, we've got to understand that, first of all, unemployment is very, very serious in the UK right now. But as that scheme starts to become unwound, more and more people will lose their jobs unless there is a willingness from the government to meet that flexibility. And let's be clear, we're four months into this crisis. We haven't got in place that full uh, test and trace system that we knew that we needed. We knew countries who've managed this well, like South Korea. That is how they had done it. Until we can say to businesses, look, everything is in place to try and get things back to normal. We've got to decide as a country whether we're willing to lose those businesses through no fault of their own, businesses that would be viable in different times if the situation wasn't as it is. I think until we, as we haven't got that system in place for them, and we should have it in place, but we haven't, we've got to be willing to give them that spot. We should be fighting for every job. We might not be able to save every job, but we should be fighting for it because as unemployment, 2.8 million the claimant count is at the minute. What will it be if we start to lose some of those 9 million jobs that are already on furlough? Yeah, the fears of 10% unemployment. Can I ask you just finally about uh, uh, the uh, march to uh, number 10 today for NHS workers demanding a pay rise uh, for the work that they've done through the pandemic? Look, a lot of people, you know, were out like I was and you were out clapping for the NHS, thanking them for their diligent work. But is it really appropriate for public sector workers who were guaranteed to keep their jobs at a time when we could face 10% unemployment to be demanding pay rises and other people are scrabbling just to hold on to a job at all. Well, look, those people have been heroes. I don't uh, in any way object well, to them. Well, has every NHS worker been a well, hero? Well, Most, I know lots of people working in the NHS who've barely had to do anything because no one's been turning up if you're not working on a coronavirus ward. People I, I working on the coronavirus wards are heroes, but not everyone working in the NHS is a hero. Let's stop that nonsense. Well, I don't think that is true, but let's remember as well, many of those people would have been on the receiving end of a pay freeze for many, many years, over five years in many cases. So their levels of, of salary are essentially not where they would have been in different circumstances. So the fact that they want to remind us of that as politicians, as the public, I have no objection to that at all.
You, you think it's absolutely fine while other people are losing their jobs left, right and centre, that public sector workers guaranteed to keep their jobs should be asking for a pay rise at a time when public finances are as, as dire as they are. You really think that's appropriate? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the business of paying off one worker against another. People who are putting in a shift doing the right thing for this country, if they want to remind us they've had a difficult time on pay or in terms of conditions over the last decade, that is absolutely fine with me. Do you think they've had a more difficult time than people in the private sector who've got no job security? Well, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't divide people in that way. I think that is yeah, a fool's errand right. to try and split people in that way. Look, they've done a great job for us in this crisis. Let's not start criticising them now, please. No, I'm not, not criticising them. Asking whether or not we should be prioritising pay rises for people who've got who got guaranteed jobs. But there we are. Online on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.